0: Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. For a beat, like, it seemed extremely illegal and strange as a kid, but I also got to see a lot of very odd music videos because in particular, it would lean towards things that um, weren't possibly normally played on MTV, VH1, Much Music, etc. They were exclusively played in this on-demand realm because people couldn't find it anywhere else. So, so it was all very niche, all, all that stuff. Uh, oh, hey, hi, uh, welcome to uh, our record store. I'm Seth, and this is where Tara would normally be, but uh, she's out sick today. So, uh, you know, just me today, but feel free to look around, and uh, I'll get off this phone call in a second, and uh, uh, just give me a shout if you need anything. All right, thanks. So anyway, anyway, the box was like this very strange music channel that was on my local television. So I'm not sure if it's an experience that everyone holds or just something that I have in my own memory. It was, it was an odd thing, but I presume other people have this, this same memory and Oh, Hey, Hey, look, it's Robert and Joe. Hello, Robert. Hello, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Hey. Doing doing so well. Um, here, here, let me get off this phone call real quick. Um, so, hey, Robert and Joe came in. Uh, uh R- Rob Lamb, Joe McCormick. I, I work with them. I'm, I'm I'm a producer on their um on their, their very popular podcast stuff to blow your mind. Um, that, that that's that's my side hustle, when I'm not here working in this record store. But uh, but anyway, I, I I'm I'm hanging up on you. Thank you for calling. Uh, so long. Goodbye.
1: Seth, I'm sorry. I'm not here to chat. I yes. need to buy a copy of the original motion picture soundtrack to Batman Forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying to
0: rack my brain. What was on Batman Forever? That was that the uh, Smashing Pumpkins, U two.
1: Um... Uh, it had U two had a Seal kiss oh, from God, a Rose a Seal track? Yeah, was Smashing they, Pumpkins I on think, Batman and Robin? Perhaps I think you're right about that. Yes, yes, it, but. but yeah, Batman Forever had a surprisingly good soundtrack. It had uh, Flaming Lips and mm. a bunch of weird stuff you wouldn't expect. You're right; it was um,
0: um, playing in that scene where the the Riddler is like putting his like machinery together. Yeah, mm. no, no, that's uh that's, that's a fine soundtrack. And you know, uh, kiss me, thrill me, kill me, kiss me, thrill me, mm-hmm. kiss me, kill me, yeah, thrill whatever me. Whatever it is, <laughs> whatever order that is, I will not remember. But. Um, uh, no, but, but but speaking of soundtracks, you're actually here on a good day. Um, uh, despite the fact that Tara's not here, I had prepared uh, a round of our High Fidelity game where I was going to do top five music videos. Now, the both of you, Robert and Joe, we were just talking about this on your podcast. Um, gosh, I guess that was earlier today. What a wild day. But would you like to—no uh, no longer talking about bizarre music videos like we did on your show, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, but— Today, we're just going to talk about top five music videos, period. Are you guys up for that?
2: Yeah, let's do Absolutely. it. Yeah. All right. Uh, though, though, fair warning, there will be a fair amount of crossover because it's, when you talk, of, at least when I think about good music videos, they often end up being at least a little bit bizarre. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I have to admit that I cannot do the thing where I say, like, all-time top five anything. I used to be good at that. When I was in like high school and early college something changed in my brain mm-hmm. and so I'm sorry to do this I have to give the disclaimer that like I cannot pretend I'm listing my top five of anything at any time. These are just like five music videos I was able to think of when I was getting ready to come here that I really like. So that's the best I can do. I hope it's acceptable, Seth. Oh and also uh, I hope you I hope you take used laser discs because I have some here.
0: <laughs> I do. you know why I take used laser discs
1: Yeah uh, I, as, as both of you know, I, I manufacture
0: records, you know like that's that's part of like my my thing that I do like in my life. If mm-hmm. you get yourself a record lathe, and a diamond-tipped uh, uh, stylus for your record lathe, you can cut records into the undersides of laser discs, and it's hmm. tons of fun. Wow! Yeah,
2: I've never heard of yeah, that. I had no idea that was a, a thing. Uh,
0: n- no, uh, if you can Google this, my, my friend Mike Dixon just recently did this for a band, and it's um, it's a good way for um, upcycling. Dead media that no one, you know, no one wants. Most laser discs, but you can turn them into playable records if you just, uh, uh you know, Im- emboss the uh, the grooves. Actually, I guess you're cutting the grooves into
1: the mm-hmm. underside of the plastic, and it's a uh, reduce,
0: reuse, recycle.
1: You know, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Well, now I, do, if I was in a band, I would want to have my records only made on used copies of Demolition Man on laser disc. It's it's, it's a good way to do it. A, a,
0: a fun thing too that you can do is you can um. Uh, have a CD, right? And because mm-hmm. CDs uh, encode their data from the middle of the disc to the outside, if you turn it over, a record's play from the outside to the inside. So you can fill up the data on the inside and start cutting grooves on the outside of the CD. And then it's, it's it can do double purpose. It can still function as a digital copy of your music, but on the underside of the CD, you can turn it into a record. And, and and cut it right there, and let's still it'll still play as long as they don't overlap, because then you ruin both. <laughs> I think That's the main thing
2: uh, about laserdisc for me, like I never had one. I think I I think I watched a laserdisc once, but uh, since it was so much more popular in Japan, there were a lot of films that you would get uh, bootlegs of back in the day, on like VHS, and it would come to you via Japanese laserdisc of whatever ever film you were trying to get.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard that. Like in particular, I've heard how the um the most original version of Star Wars that you can get is usually from the imported uh, uh, Laserdisc copy because that is, you know, <laughs> something that a collector had somewhere. But uh, in, in the American market, we've spent too much time remaking and redoing and polishing and upgrading and special editionizing. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But anyway, let's get into our top fives. And uh, Joe, Joe, don't worry. These are subjective as hell. Like, whatever your first thought is, that's usually your best thought because if it's standing out in your mind it's probably pretty favorite to you so subjective as hell is perfectly okay
1: okay wicked well i hope you enjoy my stupid answers <laughs> I, I look forward to
0: them uh my number five the year was 2000 the song is bombs over baghdad by outcast directed by dave myers
2: come on come on come on come on
0: Uh, well, I think one of the things I like best about this music video is that it is frantic as hell. Like the, Ooh, the, yeah. the frantic pace of the video and the frantic pace of the song are perfectly matched and, and the visuals tie into the
1: music just in, in like a hand in glove situation for me. Uh, are both of
0: you familiar with this video?
1: I, I am. I love this one. I remember the thing that really sticks out in my memory about it is I think it starts off with, um. With Andre 3000 running over a field of purple grass being chased yeah. by children. Yes. Am I remembering that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's how it starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why purple grass? And purple trees too, right? Yeah.
0: I, I think pretty much all the colors were slightly subverted. Like the colors of the streets were slightly off. The color of the sky was slightly off. Everything was just not quite what it should be. And and um, I think part of this was that, so when, um, when Big Boy and Andre 3000 were making this song, their big goal was like, we want to subvert the expectations of what it like the typical hip hop formula is, you know, like they, mm-hmm. they made it much faster. Like instead of like the standard 120 beats per minute, I think this song is like 155, something like that. So like, it's just faster period. But then in, in addition to that, you know, um, there, there, there's a bunch of like these like choral, like gospel things coming in, which is unconventional. Oh, yeah. There's like these like, Hendrixian Hendrix, Jimmy Hendrix. So I guess it'd be mm-hmm. Hendrixian. Yeah. <laughs> Hendrixian guitars, you know, just kind of like shredding all throughout it. Um, it's, it, there's like some classical stuff in there. It's, 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 it's an odd mix of influences. And I think because they were subverting expectations with the song, I think that the, the uh, uh, Dave Myers guy, uh, the guy that directed it, I think he wanted to subvert the established expectations for hip-hop music videos. Because a lot mm-hmm. of the elements are still in there. There's still uh, performance elements. There's still, you know, the at the time, what was very traditional was like, you know, girls on like a strip pole or something. There was also mm-hmm. um, fancy cars, but in every time that those traditional elements appear, they're slightly stranger. So, like, for example, um, uh, the colors, like you mentioned, um, the uses of the things. Like, I believe the women are, like, wearing the, the odd masks, kind of like a um, – uh, what's it called? What's that video? Uh, we were just talking about it uh, back on Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Um what come to daddy? Come to daddy. Kind of like come to daddy. Ooh. The strippers, you know. Oh, and I guess it's kind of like window liquor. That other apex twin video, yeah. where it's oh, like okay. you see a, 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 a an attractive woman scantily clad, and it's pretty much. I i don't want to. I hate to say it's standard for a music video, but unfortunately, at the time, it kind of was the objectification of women. But they're subverting the uh the beautiful woman trope by putting them in a strange, perhaps unattractive mask, and then he's kind of you know sometimes as uh, as the guy from AFX twin which
1: is very strange <laughs> weren't they also like in the latter part of the video i am trying to remember this don't they end up in like inside a giant windowless bus or something there's definitely a bus at some point for sure i, guess, uh, yeah. I can i can confirm
2: i've been i say i've never seen this video before ah. uh, oh some, somehow i mean i'm very familiar with the song but i just wasn't watching music videos at this time i guess mm-hmm. and um so this is my first time going through it. And yes, they do appear to be in something that is either w- like Willy Wonka's um, uh, tractor-trailer rig or some sort <laughs> of like psychedelic time tunnel. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, it, it's – but it, I,
0: I, I, I love – Everything about this video in particular, how closely it matches the energy of the song. And the song is just one of my mm. favorites. So so it goes hand yeah. in hand. And I think Dave Myers did an excellent job of matching the energy of OutKast, but giving it kind of like this odd psychedelic edge as well. It's um, it's nothing but fun. Really solid pick. I agree. Thank you. Uh, my number four the year is 1980. The song is Ashes to Ashes, and it's by David Bowie, directed by David Mallett and David Bowie. I've
1: heard a rumor from ground control. Oh no, don't say it's true. They got a message from the action man. Oh. Do you guys remember this one? I don't know if I do. So I was thinking about David Bowie videos before we came in here, and I really do like some of the ones I've seen. I don't think I know this one, but some most of the ones I could think of are just very straightforward like singing performance type videos the old more you know promotional video style where uh, like Modern Love is great but nothing weird happens in it it's just David Bowie singing the song into a microphone and it's great yeah but. yeah or Little Drummer Boy
2: is just you know oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. love that one <laughs> Um, but I know you're
0: absolutely right. And I think a reason for that is that a, I think David Bowie was definitely making videos before MTV even existed. And mm. B, I think he actually established a lot of the tropes that became standard for music videos. And in fact, I think he did a lot of them in this music video. So um, this was at the time, the most expensive music video ever made costing 250,000 pounds. So I mean, in 1980 money, that's, that's a lot of money. And, mm-hmm. and then he added this like complexity and the high production values and like, I guess, a sense of mystery and strangeness to it. And so because of that, it was very well beloved, very, um, very much a favorite amongst people. But I think more than that, it actually established what was to come. In music videos, this idea that it could basically just be a little art film, you know, because I think most people will, will accept the fact that like a strange,
2: unpredictable art film
0: can be a music video these days. And I think David Bowie is one of the folks
2: who established that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had never seen this one before, though. I think I'd seen some of the images like Bowie and the Clown. Uh, right. Get up the the, the, the mime kind of costume. Um, but I, I don't think I'd watched any of any of this video per se. And yeah, it's got a lot of cool imagery in it. I like the exploding kitchen electric chair. I like the clown (laughs) and the bulldozer. And then the one where he has tubes on him, like he's been incorporated into an organic spaceship.
0: Yeah. um, If if I remember correctly, and um, I'm sure, you know, there are many interpretations of this, that when he's like in the spaceship, all tied up to all the tubes, that's supposed Mm -hmm. to be major Tom. It's supposed to be like a continuation of his character from
1: space oddity and like how, how he's changed over the years. Now Bowie actually had a video. Again, this is before there was anything called a music video, but he did have some kind of video for Space Oddity, didn't yes. he? This, this would have been in the late sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I think it would have been early seventies technically. Oh, okay. But um, the the only way I remember David Bowie's um, timeline in my head is because um, he, you know, his real name is David Jones. But by the time he started getting popular, he had to change his name because Davy Jones of the Monkees had already established himself. So whenever I think about David Bowie's beginnings, I have to think about Davy Jones first and go, okay, Davy Jones is established as the Monkees. David Bowie comes immediately after, (laughs) you know?
1: (laughs) And it was additionally humiliating because he had been rejected when he auditioned for the monkeys. <laughs> I know you're being facetious, but I'd like to see that. <laughs> I would very
0: much like to see that audition. <laughs> uh, all right. My number three. Uh, the year is 1996. The uh, song is Sugar Water, and it's by Mato, directed by Michelle Gondry. <laughs>
2: All right, I'm having to look this one up to remind myself because I know I've seen most, if not all, of his videos. But uh, he was
0: the one, one. Uh, uh, so, so we, we talked uh, actually on Stuff to Blow Your Mind uh, about how great Michelle Gondry is. I mean, mm. um, I actually had to establish little rules for myself so I didn't get um, too one dimensional. Like, if I wanted to, I think I could do top five Michelle Gondry videos because they're all so creative and so interesting. Like, even when it's for a song I don't particularly like. Michelle Gondry can make some amazing video work out of it. So pff, yeah, I, I could have done top five Bjork videos directed by Michelle Gondry if I wanted to, but just to make it slightly more interesting, I only let myself use each director once on here. And I believe sugar water is my favorite Michelle Gondry video. Um, uh, so, so, uh, you guys have seen this one before, right? Um, I don't I don't know. I think if I, I have,
2: have but I, I don't remember this one much. And probably because, uh, the, the main gimmick going on here, um, is that it is filmed in duo vision, or at least that's what they they called it back in 1973 uh, with the film Wicked, Wicked, which had a similar gimmick where you have something going on in one half of the screen and something going on in the other half of the screen, and eventually they converge. Only in this one, it's not a victim and a serial killer.
0: And and it's also, um, (laughs) it's all one shot, which is always like a a fun trick Mm -hmm. that any director can do. And uh, part of it is backwards. And that's, to me, I think the most interesting part is that, so in the duo vision that you speak of, you're seeing both scenes happening at the same time. One is playing forward, one is playing backwards, and in the middle, they do meet. They 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 they, they, <laughs> they, they kind of pass each other, and then they continue. And then, then you see kind of the explanation of why the things happened in one half of the screen while the other half continues. And um, it's just fun. It's a lot, a lot of fun. Um I, I guess the simplicity with the creativity and the execution with just like the interest that I get when I watch it. Cause there's so much to absorb when you're watching two single shot videos happening simultaneously, one in reverse, one playing straightforward, pass each other and meet in the middle. And like, it's, it's a palindrome. It's, it's a video mm-hmm. palindrome. And, um, Michelle Gondry is just so creative and so smart. And, um, he, he doesn't need a huge budget. He just has ideas. And uh, I also read that um, they only had to do this 10 times to get it right, which is actually pretty <laughs> impressive to me because yeah. it's a lot of complex stuff. There's points where they're, like, writing things on windows, but it's only half a sentence and the other se- half, like, ends up on the other window in the other video at the other time. And, like, pouring sugar over your head while the other woman is, like, taking a shower. So there's, like, that kind of, like echo of reality. Anyway, I, 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 love this video. Um, if I could only include one, uh, Michelle Gondry video, Th- this is my favorite. This is my favorite of them.
1: Now, You mentioned the idea of they only had to do it 10 times, and that makes me think about something. I bet if you could get good production information, you could make a ranked list of uh, music videos by how many takes it required of the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because I remember this being like one of the facts that would come on uh, like pop-up video – about uh, that Spice Girls music video, you know, the if you want to be my lover, one of the uh, among all of the many weird and pervy little uh, comments that would come in the pop up bubbles on the screen, one was about how many takes it required because it was like it was at least supposed to look like a one shot thing, right? right? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I guess it's inevitable too with music videos because you often see this convergence of of a of a very serious either up and coming or established director, and then some sort of hot act that probably has like next to no acting experience. Right. And so that's just a recipe for days and days of takes. Fully agree. And
0: um, I I think it also kind of contributed to uh, for some reason when we started pretending that musicians were actors in actual films, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's mm-hmm. some sort of overlap there because um, you know what? But in the olden days, like I'm talking about, like you know, like the Busby Berkeley, you know, like Fred Astaire era, they were putting mm-hmm. musicians in movies too. So maybe I'm way off about that. Maybe people just love musicians.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Some of them take to it r- really well.
1: Uh, some clearly just don't have the the spark. But right. Uh, some, uh, like, uh, Frank Sinatra, I do not like his music, but he, I think he's like better in movies than he is as a singer to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. Like, like, um, uh, the original oceans 11, for example, he is a fun actor. Actually, same thing. I can say the same thing about, um, uh, Dean Martin and I can actually say the same thing about, uh, Bing Crosby as well. I got nothing against either of their music, but I think I enjoy them as actors far more often than I sit down and listen to their music. So, huh? Yeah. -hmm. There's something about that.
1: And so, some others make the transition pretty well. Like, uh, uh, you know, Debbie Harry's a good actress. Mm-hmm. I agree. What, what was the um, anthology film that she was in where she plays like the witch? That's going to eat the children? Oh, I don't know. Wait, was that in... That wasn't the Tales from the Dark Side movie, was it? It might it have, been. have been. It may <laughs> have been.
2: I don't know. I think that was the the anthology structure for it. That was the the bookend, is that the kids are telling the stories in order to... to uh, yeah, you know, prevent the witch from eating them.
0: Yeah, it's like sort of like a Shahrazad kind of situation. Yeah. And uh yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, I agree. <laughs> Debbie Harry is a good actor.
1: <laughs> Wait, so Seth, this brings up question that you probably have a better answer for. I I was thinking about this last night. Uh what are music videos for? Like like in the music industry, do they exist because they're, they're – are they primarily thought of as a kind of promotional media, like a commercial for the music itself to get people to go buy the album or I guess now stream the album? Or is there there's some other reasoning behind why they were created? Uh, I mean, I know from an artistic point of view, it seems like they're often a sort of playground for up-and-coming film directors to experiment with new techniques, it seems like. Uh, but from a money angle, like, is is it just a commercial for music? I think that's definitely what it became. But if you
0: go further back in time, pre-MTV, the actual reason I think why it began, why the music video really began, was that if you had a band and you wanted to book them on whatever, The Tonight Show or, you know, Ed McMahon. Wait, Ed McMahon? No, no, no. Who's the other Ed guy? Um, Ed. Ed. Ed Begley here. Ed, Ed Sullivan. Sullivan. Thank you. Ed oh. Sullivan is who I was thinking of. Uh, but oh. yeah. If you were trying to book- Did you
2: guys never watch TV with your grandparents? Come on.
1: <laughs> no, I I know that name from um from a track on one of Rocky Erickson's albums where he's uh taking uh he's at a radio station in Austin getting call-ins and some caller uh, asks him it says like Rocky I want to talk to you about your depravity and he responds, "You want me to shoot you and Ed Sullivan at the same time?" <laughs> <laughs> But but, uh,
0: but picture an Ed Sullivan performance, okay? If you were a band that was either in a completely different country or perhaps on tour or perhaps just uninterested, you would shoot a music video that you would send to Ed Sullivan and that would be played in your stead of a live performance. Hmm. And so, for example, the Beatles in particular did this a number of times. If you think about all of the really old Beatles music videos, the ones that obviously predated MTV – Those were created as a substitute for the band playing live on the show. They would just show that video in their stead. So, so I definitely think that's how it started was like kind of like a placeholder for a live band during a late night talk show. But I think ultimately it became a television commercial. That's what I think it ultimately became. And as long as they were investing that kind of time and resources, et cetera, you might as well make it good. You might as well make it fun and creative. And hopefully that'll bring even more attention to your product, (laughs) which is selling, you know, this little piece of wax. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But number two. 2019, Anima by Tom York, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. You could do it all again. Big deal so. We mentioned this one briefly when we were talking on uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind. It's so good. And it's actually three songs. Uh, it's, it's Not the News, Traffic, and Dawn Chorus. And these are the three songs uh, from the album Anima. So they just call the whole short film Anima. It's a 15-minute short film. And I I really, really love it. It went direct to Netflix, which I guess is how they got such amazing funding and um, visuals out of this. Um, It it was actually choreographed by Damien Jallet, who also did all the choreography for Suspiria. So Mm, it's got that same vibe. Uh, Did you guys see that new Suspiria? The one that we yeah. did the thing for? Yeah. I, I, uh, I I loved it. I,
2: yeah. I love both Suspirias.
0: Definitely. I, I, I One of the things I really love about the new Suspiria, because, yeah, I, I agree. The old one's very good. But one thing I love about the new one is they actually included, like, dancing for this ballet company. The original <laughs> yeah. had, like, no dancing whatsoever, which was an odd choice but it worked it worked <laughs> the, the new one just the choreography alone is absolutely stunning like if i if though just those segments were pulled out and shown it, it would be an interesting film but um uh yeah same choreographer and um it, it basically turned this into like a surreal buster keaton short with tom york like playing like that confused befuddled silent you know hero just kind of wandering through all these strange images and scenes and it's it's wonderful um if anyone out there has a netflix account and hasn't watched anima i can't recommend it high
1: enough name's got to be confusing for a tool head like rob here (laughs) right Yeah, yeah there's no what's the name of that letter where the a and the e are smushed together Oh, I, I don't know the word for it.
0: Me either. But that letter, the A E smashed together letter, none of those. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> okay, <laughs> ju-
1: just a straight A N I M A. You know, it you might know, just I, anima. It might be anima. Anyway, who knows? Okay, yeah. I no, I gotta admit, I don't know this one. It, wait, is this Tom York solo or Radiohead? Tom York solo. Yes. Okay. It, this is very
0: new. This came out uh, 2019.
2: It's very very good. Yeah, I I have to say I haven't seen this and I haven't listened to it. I I think I've listened to all of Tom York's other solo material and um I love it quite. A bit. In fact, I would say, of the more recent releases, I'm more of a Tom York fan than a Radiohead fan. Mm,
0: yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the great thing about Tom York solo is he doesn't have to feel bad about not including the other instruments. Like like when he's when he's making a Radiohead album, he has to be like, oh, and Ed O'Brien yeah. is going to be over there looking sad if I don't give him a guitar part. So all right, yeah. Ed, then you come in with a guitar solo. <laughs> like when when he's making solo music, he can just focus mm-hmm. on, hey, you know. I'm I here think that's probably it.
2: It's more electronic yes. uh, when it's just Tom York because I think my favorite Radiohead songs are the ones that have more of an electronic air to them.
0: Oh yeah, like the, the whole Kid A Amnesiac era is just oh yeah, yeah, such a treat for Radiohead fans. I I love it. But um, but yes, uh, for everyone in the record store listening to us, and for both of you, I highly recommend. I'm going to call it Anima, <laughs> whatever it is. The Tom York Paul Thomas Anderson short film. I mean, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. He's to me at least one of our best living directors. So I. I, I can't recommend a high enough. But there's one I recommend more. It's my number one. The year is 2002. The song is Lost Cause by Beck. And it's directed by the Hammer and Tongs Collective, which is Garth Jennings and Nick Goldsmith.
1: Waving your gun Somebody new Baby i I also oh, wow. don't know this one.
2: Th- I'm playing it now, though. I'm looking at it. Nice. Um, uh, this one,
0: basically, it's uh, there's a giant effigy of Beck, enormous, <laughs> and it's falling <laughs> slowly from the sky, and in tune with the music, while it's playing in slow motion little explosions and fireworks and puppetry and just transformations are happening and just to watch it is is a treat and because of its style and it's kind of like low-fineness and it's kind of creativity I thought this was a Michel Gondry video for the longest time just because it, it kind of fits within his wheelhouse of the kind of thing he would do but then years later I realized it was a hammer and tongs um he might. did do a Beck video, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. He did a couple. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Deadweight, the one. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. But I think, he, And I think he did Cell Phone's Dead as well. But anyway, um, Hammer and Tongs, you might know them best. Uh, they made the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie, the uh, the newer one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. I Th- enjoyed that. That's their thing. And uh, they have a, a, a rich history of incredible music videos. Uh, another big one they did was, um, or at least big for me, was uh, Coffee and TV, that Blur music video. Where there's a little milk carton dancing around. There's a lot of good ones. Uh, but anyway, so the video is this giant effigy of Beck slowly falling from the sky, exploding and transforming in time with the music. And to me, the most impressive part about this, I, ha- I have the DVD that has all their music videos and it has some making of stuff. They actually did this. They actually built <laughs> this giant effigy of Beck, lifted it up on a crane, dropped it from the sky while it was exploding and filmed it and then played it back in slow motion. Now, for, oh. for it to be this good, because if you watch it, everything is happening at just the right time, at just the right moment and all that. A, I'm sure they did this multiple times and picked the right moments for editing back and forth. But B, I'm sure there were some overlays and stuff like that. But uh, but, but how, however they did it, I, I saw them dropping that giant Beck. So they, they did it for real in real life. And it's just a very impressive thing to look at. And um, that's my number one. I highly recommend it. And that concludes my list, everybody.
2: It has a kind of NASA launch or NASA landing quality to it. Like this is, it's not just a, like a wicker man flaming to the ground. It has yeah. all of these things popping out of it, like, uh, like elements that seem like they need to be deployed at a certain time in order for, you know, maximum back to be achieved.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 100% agree. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, yeah, that, that concludes my list. And, uh, let's, let's move on to the next one. I'm, I'm going to, uh, Uh, put my records away Uh, Robert you're going next so uh, you go around the store gather up your records we'll take a nice little coffee break we'll come back and uh, continue our countdowns we are back. Um, I've done my top five music videos of all time. Uh, very subjective lists. My uh, my other two guests here joining us today, we got Robert Lamb and Joe McCormick of the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast.
2: Robert, your top five, kick it off. All right. Well, uh, I made two rules for myself on this. One, no tool videos, because I already <laughs> mentioned one on the, the other episode we did, and the, I just kind of ultimately put those in their own category, you know? I follow you.
0: I, I, I felt the same way about Bjork. I, I feel like I could easily make just top five videos of just Bjork, because all of her videos are so beautiful. And I'm a little sad we're not going to talk about schism, but
2: what can we do? <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, the, the other rule I made for myself on this list is not to do any more or less straight-up performance videos, mm-hmm. concert videos or things that are close mm-hmm. to them, even though I really love some of those because a lot of times they do capture, like, the raw performance element. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, one that I do really like, and I think Joe might have uh, made a joke about it in the previous one, is the the early Nine Inch Nails video for Pretty Hate Machine. Yeah. Which is <laughs> not an expensive video or not expensive-looking. I don't know how much it cost. Um and it has some you know wonderful kind of amusing cheap effects in it, but it has like a raw emotional quality that I do like.
1: Yeah, uh, Nine Inch Nails don't they also have a pretty cool video that's just a performance video for uh, what's it called? March of the Pigs. The one where he yep. throws the microphone stand on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. In in that vein, when it when it comes to videos that are just the band performing. For me, it's kind of hard to beat Prince's 1999 video where it looks like an orgy is about to break out on the stage. (laughs) But but
0: that's just Prince
1: every day. like They just happen
0: to capture his real life.
2: (laughs) So uh, here we go. This is my number five. I went with one that's actually heartbreakingly impossible to find right now so I, I can't even send you guys after the link I think Joe might have seen this one I think I sent this one to him a while back but he, he might not have looked at it or maybe forgot it but the track is called Timber Chainsaw Massacre it's from 2006 and it's by Hextatic And uh, the director, I believe, is Stuart Warren Hill of Hextatic. and it is the the Hextatic song "Timber," which uh, is readily available. Except it is recreated using sound effects from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, The Shining, Ooh. and perhaps one other movie. I'm, I'm I'm blanking, but mainly Texas Chainsaw Massacre and The Shining. So uh, the video then the video version, which I believe was created for a 2006 Halloween show, like an audio visual DJ set. Um, it, it has clips from the film. So it's a lot of these uh, like chainsaw sounds. And then there's Jack Nicholson breaking through the door. And so the drum beats are, um, are, are him pounding through the door with the hammer. And then, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's a very creative piece that sadly, uh, the video was removed on YouTube. And I don't think they've uploaded it anywhere else. So I don't know where I can tell anyone to find it.
0: Was this like a copyright claim situation?
2: Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah, mm. like probably just an auto claim where it's like, well, there's there's TCM in there. There's Shining in there. Uh, Got to get it off. That's like um, one of my favorite videos, which is not official by any means, is
0: if you take the Animal Collective song Water Curses through complete happenstance, it happens to match perfectly Every change, every movement, every dance move with uh, Beyonce's single ladies just happens to, to just perfectly match up. So if, if you just overlay them, it's the most beautiful music video you've ever seen. However, obviously, Beyonce's people have taken down that video every single time. <laughs> so uh, you can't really watch it. You just have to kind of like make it yourself or hope you find it in a window before uh, Team Beyonce removes it from the Internet.
2: But uh, yeah. but that sounds amazing. Uh,
0: you're, you're saying there's no real way to, to track this down currently?
2: Not not right now, because I guess it, it kind of exists in that area of like everything is terrible, you know, right. where they're they're creating what I think is is legitimate art uh, using these these elements of other works. But, um, you know, it's going to fall under the crosshairs of the um, of the copyright kill bots that are roaming the the YouTubes. Wow. No, I, I, I'm very curious. I want to go check this out.
0: Or maybe I yeah. can find, like, a Russian YouTube link or something. That's usually where I find the uh, mm.
1: the oh, most yeah.
0: copy copyright uh, infringed videos is somewhere on Russian YouTube. I did not check Russian YouTube for this one, so maybe they got it. I try not to. It's It seems dangerous. It seems like <laughs> walking along a beach full of, like, syringes. It's like, you know what? It's
2: a beautiful beach, but I don't know. <laughs> All right. Here's my number four. This is the 2000 song Sabrina by... Uh, Einstrasen den I this I wish this This is a wonderful video that uh, is not listed on IMDb, so I had to look it up. Uh, but it's directed by John Hillcote of uh, The Road and The Proposition. Mm. I think he did an episode of Black Mirror. And... It is, um, I, I believe, uh, uh, of, of in End is in it very briefly, but most of the video is, it takes place in this bleak, um, like, restroom. And there's a minotaur, uh, having kind of an emotional breakdown in front of a mirror. Wow. And that's the entire video.
1: <laughs> is, uh, I, do I remember? It's kind of like, um... It's kind of pig-like Minotaur. It, yeah, a bit. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, putting on makeup at some point? or At something? one point, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> yeah, because there's stuff in the lyrics. It's
2: actually an English language song, and there's stuff about red and the color red, and so it kind of fits in thematically that it, the Minotaur is putting on this makeup, but then you know breaking down and weeping. Uh, so it's it's somehow like a perfect video for this song. Is it mostly um, uh, puppetry and like mask work, or what? What is the Minotaur made of? Practical makeup effects, I believe. I, there may there may be some puppetry involved in the the actual production, but I'm not even sure like what effects house was responsible for this. I had to really search around to find um, uh, the director credit on this because again, it's not listed on IMDb. Wow! Wow!
0: Nice. I've looked this up. So far, you are two for two
2: with music videos I've never seen that I, I'm, I'm definitely going to go check out. Well, number three should be a one that I think everyone's seen. So uh, my, here's my number three. It is the 1995 video for the track Bedtime Story by Madonna.
1: How can I explain how I feel? Let's get unconscious,
2: uh, which uh, is also, uh, I believe it's, uh, Bjork was one of the writers on this song, if not the main writer. And the director was Mark Romanek, uh, who, who did a lot of cool videos.
1: Oh, weird. So I know some Madonna videos, but not this one. Uh, the main one that comes to mind is the video for... Uh, uh Like a prayer, which is like a, Mm -hmm. this. was that the one that the Vatican was mad about?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) They they tried to ban it, right? Or like the Catholic League or someone involved in the Catholic Church was very, very upset about
2: the sacrilegiousness that they they felt.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, uh,
2: which bedtime stories you said? Bedtime story. Definitely worth looking up. It's on the official Madonna YouTube uh, page. And it's a big budget affair. And it's about dreams like it begins with her in this kind of like dream chamber and then it like it sets to lucid dreaming and then we go inside this just ever-changing dream world that's full of uh just Beautiful, strange imagery like floating cubes, um, Sufi dancers, uh, fallen angels. There are people floating. It has a, just a wonderful, just fantastic vibe for it. And, and I, there are other Madonna videos that I, I really admire as well, but this one is a real, a real visual odyssey. Every night I dream of cubes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are cubes. Oh, there's one segment where that is especially evocative too, because. It's like she's in um, this—she's in some sort of a pool, and there are these, like, monster heads. Uh, Like, one looks kind of like a big bird skull, and the others are, I don't know, dinosaurs or something, and they have enormous glass eyes, and they are in the pool with her, and it's just strange. Uh, I I love it. Like, there's just every— Few seconds, there's something new and perplexing. There's, you know, at one point there are two of her and they have mirror faces. There's another section where her eyes are replaced by, by mouths. And uh, like one section, there are like children watching her as she floats down a hallway. It's uh, just a beautiful music video. This is another one um, we've mentioned
0: before. Um, the uh, 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 the director's label DVD sets. This is one that yep. I'm very familiar with because uh, Mark Romanic also had a DVD in that collection. And um, yeah, it just feels mythical. It feels like there's mm-hmm. like some sort of like ancient tome telling of these stories that you you've never heard, but you're seeing like almost like the Cliff's Notes versions of them. It, it just feels yeah. like there's there's a very deep lore that you
1: aren't quite up to date on. Yeah yeah the, does does she kind of look like um Medusa in some parts of this like her hair is done in a kind of snake pattern
2: uh, a bit like in that scene where she's in the pool with the monster head she her hair is very big <laughs> you know um she has like multiple looks and costume changes
1: in this one and there's one part where you see like a lady's back and she has scars along her shoulder blades where it, I guess one is to assume that wings have been uh surgically removed right yeah yeah, yeah.
0: good pick. I think a lot oh, I think thanks, a lot yeah. of people will will definitely remember this one. I mean like especially back in the old days of music television, you know, um, you know, f- from the peak of of mu- of MTV. Kind of the best part about it to me was that you had no control over it. Like these videos just mm-hmm. happened. Like if you're like I want to watch some music videos, you sat down, yeah. you watched your block of music videos and maybe two out of 10 were ones that you actively wanted to see. And the rest were just whatever was happening at the time, which I actually thought was a pretty positive thing, ultimately, because you were forced to kind of consume all of these other genres, all these other styles of music that ultimately, I think, just kind of like broadened all of our, you know, uh, uh, knowledge as well as our appreciation for all, all kinds of other Groups and styles of music. It was, I, I think it was a wonderful thing. Now that you pick everything on your own, I think there's a lot of benefits to that. But unfortunately, you do miss out on being force fed, you know, tangential art.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I may be remembering this wrong, but I think there's an essay or a letter where T.S. Eliot writes about how it's important to have lots of mediocre poets to read uh, because, uh, because without having a bunch of sort of middle tier poets, you wouldn't really appreciate what great poetry was. That's a fair point. I, 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 I don't disagree.
0: I don't disagree with that at all.
2: Huh? Yeah. I mean, it's also kind of vain because he's like, he's like, look, to really experience the high level that I am performing at, you need to go read those other people as well. Then then come back and you'll see truly how great I am. Yeah. I think that statement
0: comes better if it's not coming from a great poet. If it's just some <laughs> guy saying that, it's yeah. a little less vain.
1: <laughs> well, who knows? That may have been while he was working on that book about cats. <laughs> right yes, very cool t s
2: <laughs> all right, here's my number two. It's the nineteen eighty four video for Wild Boys by Duran Duran Ooh. directed by Russell McKay this is the one that we 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 already talked about this one, but I just I couldn't do a list without including it because it is just one of my all time
1: favorites amazing pick,
0: yeah, yeah. It, um, we, we talked about this a lot. Uh, if anyone here in the record store uh, didn't hear it, listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind's Friday episode during Weird House Cinema. And um, we talked a lot about this music video. We go, we go deep into depth about um, who made it, why they made it. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's Scar on like the landscape of, um, uh, of music videos and the MTV era at the time. But a, a big thing I remember is that when I picture Duran Duran, I think about like Rio, I picture, like, pastel dudes with, like, big, you know, hairsprayed hair, just kind of, like, riding around on catamarans, being, like, you know, fancy pop boys. That's what I picture. But this really does, I I guess, paint a fuller picture. It it shows, like, a a larger segment of what Duran
2: Duran truly is. And, like, it it helps them be not just a one-dimensional, you know, pop group. Though interestingly enough Russell McKay also directed the video for Rio. Wow. Really?
0: Congratulations to oh. him.
1: He's he's got he's got some depth. I was gonna say this one is more like uh, uh, his name is Morton Joe and he dances in the sand. <laughs> Where else? <laughs> I, well, I guess Morton Joe could dance in the water if he wanted to, but uh, he's he's still living that sand life. Well, I don't know. I guess actually, Wild Boys. It would be more like uh, his name is Lord Humongous because, uh, as I said in the "stuff blow your mind" episode on this, it seems very, very road warrior influence to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, in that the members of the band are dressed up like Mad Max. They've got the their jacket, they've got the weird glove situation. They're even in a strange way, uh, you know, how uh, later on in his career, Mel Gibson would seem to have this uh, thing about being tortured in his movies, the weird kind of sadomasochistic thing. That's even there, even though I don't think that was a major part of his movies at the time, or at least was. You know, thought of as characteristic of his movies, Uh, but they've got the the Duran Duran guys on like the the torture windmill and crucified to the top of the car. (laughs) I mean, it's uh, it's perfect Mad Max energy. (laughs) There's this uh, amazing artist. Um, I'm actually
0: going to Google him to make sure I get his name right. Um, He has a very interesting name. Let's see here. Yes, yes, I just pulled it up. Uh, His name was Chris Burden. And um, he was an amazing dude, um, especially in art school. We would talk about him in art history class because he did this um, art project called "Shoot," where his thing was he got shot in the art gallery. Someone took a gun in- intentionally and shot him, and that was his art performance. And it was like really shot him, really shot him with a real gun. And I, I believe they, you know, they tried to not hurt him as much as possible. Like they, they hit him <laughs> like, like you know, in the arm or something like that. But that was his performance. And um, when you talk about like you know extreme movements in art, that, that he, he always seems to be the um the, like like the furthest end of the spectrum of like yeah this dude shot himself a, as art you know in a gallery. <laughs> and um, another piece he did, which gets talked talked about less because it's less impressive than getting yourself shot, is uh, Chris Burden did this thing where he had himself crucified to a Volkswagen Bug and literally crucified (laughs) Mm. hands, nails on, onto a Volkswagen. And, um, so you're saying he he got the
1: idea
2: from the wild boys video. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) I don't know. It sounds like they got that idea from the, um, uh, the Nine Inch Nails video for uh, happiness and slavery. Well, I'll, a-
0: I'll say Chris Burden was doing his art in the 1970s, mostly. So they oh, may have okay. both gotten their ideas from him. But um, I see. But anyway, whenever whenever we've talked about the uh, being crucified to a vehicle thing, I, I always think about uh, Chris Burden. And, um, and then that leads me to shoot
1: his odd performance <laughs> of getting shot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Wild Boys is such a great video. I love how it's just, uh, they're just being bad. They're being really wild boys. They're throwing the desks over. You remember mm-hmm. that part of the beginning where it's like an airplane hanger full of school desks and they just start yeah. knocking them over. It's like, this is what I think about school. The hell <laughs> with your school. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. All right,
2: I'll go ahead and bust out my number one. Uh, this is, just, this is a, just for me, video perfection. Like, I didn't even have to think twice about what my favorite is. And it is uh, from 2013. It was directed by Neil Krug, who uh, I think primarily is like a, you know, a photographer, I think. Uh, but it is the music video for Reach for the Dead by Boards of Canada. And it is—it's uh, just beautiful. It's just just perfect.
1: Oh, I love Boards of Canada, but I don't think I realized they had any music videos. Yeah, a lot of their music videos
2: prior to this, or at least some of the ones I'm familiar with, utilize pre-existing footage. Like, there's there's one where the official music video is the what is it? One got fat. The one about the monkeys and bicycle safety, <laughs> uh, just set to music. Another one is of like a really impressive high altitude parachute jump. But this one was the original footage shot like in the California desert, and it just. there are no humans in it at all it just captures most of it is just capturing these empty spaces in this this beautiful wasteland and then towards the end of the music video you take to the sky and there's this just elegant, like double sunset, double horizon situation that then becomes kind of like the. Um, it's very reminiscent, clearly inspired by the like the the uh, the Stargate scene in 2001: A Space Odyssey, and you travel th- toward the sun through this this rectangle, and then there's a dawning of three suns in the sky. And it's it's just just beautiful. I've I've watched this one multiple times. I distinctly remember when I got to see it for the first time, and uh, I had been anticipating it. And it's just it's just beautiful. It's my, my easily my favorite music video of all time.
1: I feel like you would really like a, a recut of the uh, the original Star Wars movie where Luke goes out and he sees the two suns rising and instead of Luke's theme from the John Williams score, it's it's that Boards of Canada song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that would be
0: that would be good. It would set a different tone. It wouldn't be quite as like forlorn. It would be more like
2: adventurous, you know?
1: What's yeah. the what's the Boards of Canada video with the skydiving?
2: Um, I believe it's Dave Van Cowboy, isn't it? Mm. Let me check. Okay. Uh, I don't remember offhand. Um, yes, it is Dave Van Cowboy, and that's that's a beautiful one too. It's great track, just tremendous real world footage. Uh, so I, I highly recommend that one as well.
0: Man, great stuff. Um, we we have a, a really wonderful community of people who shop in this record store uh, on our Discord. Uh, if you go to recordstoresociety.com. You can join up. And um, we uh, uh, always talk about the lists whenever we do them. And I, I can't wait. I'm going to post all these videos on there because, yeah, I'm going to say at least three of these that you just said, Robert, I've never seen. And that's that's fun. That's my favorite reason to do all these lists is if you have anyone list their favorites of something, inevitably there will be something you've never heard of. And it's someone's favorite. So you know it's good. You don't even have to like, you know, separate the wheat from the chaff. It's, it's great, you know? And uh in saying that uh we got one more person to go. Uh see Joe, let's take a little another little coffee break. Uh, you go through the record store, gather up your uh, five choices and uh we'll resume in just a second. We are back. We got uh, one list left to go, and that is Joe McCormick. Uh, Let's see here, Joe. Now, you've already pre-warned us that this is a very subjective
1: (laughs) list for you. Any other uh, pre-warnings you should give us? Yeah, I'll, I'll just be mealy-mouthed every which way. Uh, in <laughs> fact, not only can I not stand by the fact that these are not my all-times, I also forgot to put them in an order. So oh, I'm going to have fine. to make up the numbering on the fly here. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, but uh, but these are videos that I very much love. And I think uh, I want to start by saying that I'm going to go in the opposite direction as we went in um, our Stuff to Pull Your Mind episode on weird music videos, where we focused on the, the truly bizarre. Well, we In that one, we talked about... Uh, uh, Herbie Hancock's Rocket, which is a fantastic music video, but of course, is just like throbbing mannequin insanity. And, uh, and we talked about uh, the, the Mick Jagger music video for Hard Woman, which is an absolute train wreck of the most bizarre kind. Uh, but uh, here I want to go into just extremely earnest emotional dancing that is beautiful. Uh, so my first pick is the video for Kate Bush running up that hill. I think the music video for Wuthering Heights is probably better known. I've seen things where people recreate that video and that one she's famously, well, actually, I think there are two different versions of the Wuthering Heights video one. She's in a red dress and just dancing among the trees in the forest while she's singing, I guess she's out on the moor. Right. Um, but, uh, this one is such a weirdly earnest artifact. It's just a really powerfully, Ernest's song. It's the sound of sincerely yearning for something impossible. And the video is exactly like that. This incredibly powerful, emotional ballet performance with Kate Bush and this male dancer, a lot of reaching gestures. Uh, I I don't know if you guys have seen this one, but I, I think it's really, truly beautiful. This is the one with the, she's wearing red, right? No, no, that's the Wuthering Heights video.
2: Okay. That's the one where people dress up like it and, uh, And reenact it. Yeah, yeah, Like, I have a friend who did that, Mm. yeah.
1: I think I was actually in a park in London one time, and we saw tons of people in red dresses, and we were like, what's going on? But (laughs) they were recreating the Wuthering Heights video. Oh,
0: that's fun. (laughs) I I have seen this video. And um, one thing I love about Kate Bush, basically just artistically in general, when it comes to her music and her music videos and everything she does, is she's incredibly gimmick-free. Like all yeah. she is is just quality. And and it, it's um it's a nice reminder for me personally because um I, I really do like things that are progressive and trying new things and experimental. And one thing I've said many, many times is I'll take creativity over talent any day of the week. Like, I I just really, in general, love it when people just do interesting things. Like, that's more interesting to me than anything. But every once in a while, there's people like Kate Bush who come up. You're like, oh, never mind. If you write a good song and you're really good at performing it, that's all that matters. Like, talent yeah. wins, period. Like, that's... That's the real key and and that to me is like the magic trick of of music in general is that um you can explain why certain artists are great like by just using like a spreadsheet. Kate Bush is just talented. you can't you can't explain that. it just is so uh yeah.
1: There are a lot of things in creativity where you can make like rules for success. Uh, I used to say this about, you know, like writing fiction or something, you know, that you you shouldn't have a character do this or you shouldn't write a sentence like that. But every kind of rule like that about art and entertainment, uh, it always comes with the caveat, which is unless it's really good. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, don't do this unless it's just really good anyway. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I had a creative uh, writing uh, professor who who t- talked about that where like people told him, you can't do a civil war novel about identical twins where one fights for the North and one fights for the South. So that's exactly what he wrote. He wrote a novel. <laughs> <about that. laughs> I mean, it would work if it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that
0: comes up, uh, uh, Thomas Lennon and uh, Ben Garant from uh, the state and Reno 911, uh, they wrote a book um, about how to write screenplays. Because obviously they've had a lot of success writing just like mainstream screenplays, things like, um, oh, A Night at the Museum, things like that, where they've just made <laughs> tons of money. And you wouldn't expect that they were the ones that wrote it because they have such like an irreverent, absurdist style of humor, you know? But, mm-hmm. um, in this book, they're perpetually talking about how to write a big mainstream blockbuster. So they say things like, hey, on this page, this is where the conflict happens. On this page, all your characters need to be established. On this page, obviously they're talking about the screenplay. On this page, this is where your third act starts. And then they always caveat it with, unless you're making art, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, right. If you're making art, then it has no rules. So you don't need to read a book to do that. This is how to make yeah. a mainstream big-budget, popular film, you know?
2: They're talking about a surgical procedure to remove a certain amount of money (laughs) from the public. Uh, (laughs) How to sell X number of
1: popcorn. (laughs) Well, so, uh, thinking about this Kate Bush video raises a question for me, which is, um, when you're talking about really liking a music video, how much are you supposed to try to separate your enjoyment of the video from your enjoyment of the song itself? Mm. You know, like, like, how much does this just because uh, running up that hill for me is just like, you know, one of the best tracks ever it has this amazing, uh, beat, the, the underlying synth part, the, uh, uh the vocals. I mean, it, it, it's, it's like a perfect song mm-hmm. to me. Um, and, so, of course, I, I mean, I have to imagine, like, whatever was happening on the screen, as long as it wasn't something bad, I would be enjoying the experience of watching it. I think that this video is a, is a great video, even though it's very straightforward. It's very simple. It's just, like, dancing mostly. Um, but, yeah, I, I, do you know what I mean? Like, can, can you take the, your appreciation of the song itself out of your understanding of what's happening in the video? Yeah.
0: And and I'm sure they have to factor that in. Like whoever's directing the video has to think to themselves, am I trying to match the song? Am I trying not to distract from the song? Or am I trying to like almost disguise the song? The song's not that good. So I'm going to actually make a really good music video to draw your attention in. And perhaps you don't have to even worry about the song. So yeah, I'm sure it's a case by case basis, I would presume.
2: I think a better way to explore that question, uh, which we obviously don't have time to do here, would be to look at examples of the best songs that have the worst
1: music videos Mm. to accompany
2: them, you know?
0: (laughs) I I think that could be a different list for a different day. But yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, an interesting thought for sure
1: okay well for my next pick i guess this is going to be my number four uh i'm going to come back to a subject we have already talked about i'm sorry this is going to overlap somewhat with you seth but i had to pick a michelle gondry bjork video of course uh for me this was the video for the bjork song hyper ballad which i think is off her album post i go through all um it is hard to describe exactly what's going on in this video but i will try so B- bjork the artist is it looks like she's lying asleep eyes closed on some kind of forest floor there are like leaves and pine straw and moss but it's also as if that forest floor is the base of a kind of rotating coffin with a glass lid and so the glass lid over her sleeping body becomes a sort of screen on which is projected a recording of Bjork awake singing, and that overlays her sleeping face. And then sometimes there's another layer of, uh, of, transparency or reflection where in the glass over her sleeping face, you can see machinery like circuit boards with blinking LEDs, uh, that appear to be on the other side of the glass. And so it's this very weird effect where you're confused about like how many layers of things you're looking through and where the transparency is and what's being reflected versus what you're seeing through the glass, which is a, a wonderful effect to, to create in a music video. Um, I think you're wrong, though, Joe.
2: I think this is not an effect. I think this is what it's like to look at Bjork in real life (laughs) without effects added to uh, remove uh, uh, her natural essence. I mean,
1: yeah, it really does feel that way. And also, I would say maybe it's not an effect when we see Bjork as a 16-bit video game character. She's like a sprite, (laughs) like Sonic the Hedgehog, running around uh, between antenna towers. And I love the little animation. I mean, I wonder how... They animated that, like, did they actually create her as a video game character with a running animation? Uh, that's what it looks like because and- that image always sticks in my
0: mind. Because well, and she's like, always like, she's like running along to the beat, too. Like, the
1: yes, booch, booch,
0: booch, 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 little jog. Because that moment always sticks out in my mind from this music video, I always misremember this video as being for her song Joga J O G A. Because oh, I know I, that one, too. Because I, 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 I associate it with jogging, because that little mm-hmm. sprite jogging in the music video, which makes no sense. But, um, but, but I fully agree. This is one of my favorite Bjork videos also. It's so good.
1: The Joga video is the one, I think that's also Michel Gondry, where it it's is. like the map that's like changing and moving around.
0: Or is that one Bachelorette? Oh no you're right oh. you know
1: it's it's yeah it's it's a 3D
0: renderings of like the world and it's like shifting and breaking and cracking and fall yeah 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 that's the one bachelorette's the one where she's putting on a play And then the play in a play puts on a play and then the play within the play puts on a play Mm -hmm. and it's all based on like Bjork's book. And like, anyway, that one's, that one's wonderful too. We could go all day with Bjork, Michelle Gondry.
1: Yeah. This video is not as elaborate as some of the other Bjork videos. It's more elegant and simple, but I like it for that. And I like how the visual themes of the video really echo the, the, the auditory themes, or I guess the, the music genre themes, because, we see at the same time, she looks like she's lying on some kind of forest floor or something. But we also see all this electronic imagery, you know, the LEDs and mm-hmm. stuff. And it seems to fit with the song, which sounds to me like a kind of electronic folk. Yeah. Uh, but also there's a part I wanted to point out in this video that that always gets me uh, where Bjork's eyes are closed, of course, for most of the video because she is supposed to be sleeping, I think. But there's a part where she starts to suddenly blink them open along with the rhythm. And in watching it, you discover that it is a really creepy feeling to have been staring at somebody's face for several minutes. And then they (laughs) suddenly open their eyes. You know, it's like in rear window when the guy is suddenly looking back at you.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or or you're you know you're riding along on a train and you just happen to glance up at the person across from you like reading their book and then they raise their eyes and look you dead in the eyes and you're like sorry I I haven't been staring at you I'm 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 (laughs) it's an odd situation
1: yeah oh yeah what's going on over here the the whole looking around game (laughs)
0: Uh, and and plus uh, uh, one more thing before we move on to your next one Um, I have to mention. Probably my favorite Michelle Gondry video, if, if it's not Hyper because Hyper Ballad is very good. It's for uh, Declare Independence. Have you guys ever seen that one? Oh, I'm not sure. Highly recommend it. It's um, it's from her Volta album. And just Michelle Gondry and Bjork are a match made in heaven. They They make some of the best art, period. But, wait, uh,
1: wait, wait, wait. Is that the one where she's driving a war rig? She's in no, like, a that, giant vehicle. That one, the, that's that's the Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It, I think it has a mouth with like teeth moving independently. Yes. No matter what she's <laughs> Teeth are not supposed to move independently and that's really disturbing.
2: Yeah, declare independence has like bizarre string puppet bloom. Yeah,
0: it's a very elaborate setup for a very simple execution. It's it's uh it's 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 nice. It's a fun one. Anyway, anyway, but uh, but 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 Joe, uh, what what was that? Was your number four? I guess so. So how, how about number three for us?
1: Okay, for number three, I'm gonna go very mainstream, very not weird, but something that is just undeniably infectiously happy. Uh, This is the music video for Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody.
2: Uh,
1: Directed by Brian Grant. I think it was choreographed by Arlene Phillips. And i I cannot watch this without just beaming from ear to ear. It is maybe the most joyful thing I've ever seen committed to film.
0: yeah, if Tara uh, were here today, she would be a hundred percent in on this. She is a big Whitney fan, and especially this era of Whitney. so uh, mm-hmm. but you're right. Uh, uh, Whitney was like unparalleled when it came to talent and execution of said talent. she
1: She was a beast, you know? yeah. Uh, You know, we did an episode of uh, Stuff to Pull Your Mind not too long ago about halo imagery, and I kept thinking about that while I was watching this, because I I couldn't help but notice that in one of the main recurring motifs in this video, Whitney Houston is lit from behind, so she's literally glowing, like Mm. the outer layers of her hair are glowing with the light, uh, this intense, almost you know, sun bright light from behind her. And I don't know, there's just so much that's great about it. It's got a wizard of Oz type theme where it starts in black and white and she's just coming off stage from some kind of performance. And then as we go into her mind's eye and, you know, seeing what she would really like to be doing right now, which is apparently dancing with somebody who loves her, we go into full color and this like super bright colors, um, the video is very silly, like a lot of it is her uh watching men dance in various ways around her, like uh, and sort of judging them on whether or not they're dancing well. Uh, but it's it's just so good, perfectly 80s, too. Well,
0: actually, is it yeah. yeah, that's that's still in the 80s, that hasn't crossed into the 90s yet, has it? No, this is 80, I think
1: it's 87, I would guess.
0: Yeah, there, there's that. Um, nice transition period around like ninety ninety one where like the eighties were still real strong <laughs> even in the
2: 90s <laughs> right yeah now this is a good good music video good song good music video nothing nothing uh nothing bad about this I can say no
1: I guess the, there there's nothing weird to talk about with it really except it's just it's just pop music at its absolute best yeah yeah
2: I like the color scheme it's very colorful mm-hmm. yeah
1: okay now I've got a weird one if you're ready for my number two sure go for okay. it Okay, this is going to be the video for Weird Al, dare to, be stupid.
0: Take some dare to be
1: Stupid. Not only a great parody of new wave music and of Devo, not just a parody of Devo, this is the best Devo song. <laughs> Let's see. I'm not sure I've seen this one, so I'm pulling it up. Yep. Yep, there they are in Devo gear The song itself is one of my favorite Weird Al songs. It has gloriously strange and funny lyrics. Uh, The opening line is, put down your chainsaws and listen to me. It's time for you to join in the fight. It's time to let your babies grow up to be cowboys. It's time to let the bedbugs bite. And I love that the visuals in this video are extremely literal. So when he says, put down your chainsaw and listen to me, it's a man watching TV and he puts down his chainsaw. And then when it's, uh, it's time to let your babies grow up to be cowboys uh you see these adult men wearing child's cowboy costumes and uh then you it's time to let the bed bugs bite you get plastic bugs in a bed and it goes on like that there's a great part in the video where they uh they do a rhythmic timing of sticking some ice cream cones to their heads uh Mm. it's just a, a home run now is is the song
2: itself a parody track? Uh, like I'm watching the video now but it's, I have the, the mute on. It's, it's the pastiche one of those one. Yeah. Yes,
1: it's one of those where it's not a parody of a specific song but a parody of the style of a band. And so okay. there's no one song, but it is a parody of the style of new wave music and Devo in particular and it's such a good parody that it could be a Devo song and would be one of their best tracks genuinely.
2: There's there's a scene in it where there are a couple of grotesque characters watching a television. Uh, it's just like a flash. I think there's like just a lot of stuff in this. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a uh, guy it, in the it's jam packed for sure. It's a guy in a shag room doing uh, failed uh, <laughs> headstand stuff. It, it looks pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, whenever I think about Devo, um, I've watched a lot of Futurama in my life because Futurama uh, for the longest time was my default taking a nap show. So if I ever wanted a nap, Futurama was just familiar enough, but also just mm-hmm. interesting enough for me to take a nap to it. So anyway, I've watched all of Futurama many times on a loop. And one of my favorite jokes from Futurama was um, Devo in the future has become a, a part of the mutant world on, living underneath the, the, uh, of New New York in the sewers. They're about to play mm-hmm. a show. And, and they're like, all right, here, here we go. We're going to play a show for you guys. And someone in the audience goes, play Whip it. And They go, no play the other one. Is <laughs> and they go into <laughs> it's a beautiful world. And it's like <laughs> I love the fact that in in the future in the year 3000 whatever Devo only have two songs now Whip it and the other one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well no, they should play dare to be stupid. That would be the the cherry on top. That would be good.
0: Uh yeah, no great choice. That was, did you say that was your number 2?
1: Yes. Okay. So, unfortunately, with this last pick, I have to cheat, but I have to cheat in order to be true to myself. Because Mm. this last pick is not a music video, but if I am going to attempt real all-time favorites, this is probably my favorite video recording of music ever. Sure. And that is The Talking Heads, the version of Born Under Punches from their Live in Rome concert uh, film from 1980. (laughs) Now, I think a lot more people probably know Stop Making Sense, which is, I think, undoubtedly a better movie than Live in Rome. Live in Rome is just sort of a a concert film recording. Uh, But the version of Born Under Punches from Live in Rome is just flames under the skin, it is riveting. I cannot think of any other recording of of a of a song that is as powerful to me as this is and every time I watch it I notice different things of course you know the, the performance of the song itself you can just listen to the audio and it's it's that kind of like power from on high but every time I look at it I notice interesting different little things going on on stage uh uh, David Byrne's, like, sweaty hair and his kind of, like, sunken eyes in this are, are so hypnotic to look at. I always get fixated on uh, Tina Weymouth's flexed bicep while she's playing <laughs> the bass line. I keep noticing, I'm like, wow, that is a crazy-looking bicep.
0: Wow. Hmm.
2: Well, I don't know the song, so I'm, I'm watching it on mute, and... Um yeah, I'm not getting much out of it. <laughs> uh, so I think think, uh, hearing it is, is necessary. Yeah, it, it is. The Talking Heads, and probably David Byrne in particular,
0: um, he's confoundingly charismatic. Like, when you watch him perform... He, he's like a magnet for your eyeballs. It's really difficult to look away. And and um, I can't fully explain that, again, just kind of like we are talking about with uh, Kate Bush, where it's just like, no, just quality. Like David, David Byrne is just, you know, but I think it is more than quality because he does have a theatric kind of element to him. He does, mm-hmm. I presume, intentionally make gestures that feel grand and a bit kind of, um, I, I, I guess I'll say they're mysterious. He makes like mysterious gestures that feel kind of otherworldly. And I presume he does that on purpose, right?
1: Yeah, uh, the this performance of "Born Under Punches" is it has exactly that mysterious quality. You know, these little cryptic phrases. Like it's hard to say what this song is about. But when he keeps saying "I'm a tumbler," there there's something (laughs) uh, something really powerful and strange being suggested there. I have no idea what it is. Well, I'm assuming it means
2: literally when he was born. People began punching him right <laughs> out of the womb. Um, I don't know what Must kind be. of a, a doula is present for that. But
0: <laughs> we were doing um, top five best concerts you've ever seen. Uh, actually, I believe just last week. And um, yeah, this was my, my number five was seeing David Byrne when he played at the Fox here not too long ago. And um, it was when he was doing his American Utopia tour before it went to Broadway. Oh, mm. he is—he's just charismatic as hell. He's just. I don't know. He's so charming and likable, but also really talented. And he just makes such interesting choices when he does things. He's, he's a great dude, you know?
1: Well, if, if I were to pick actual music videos, I mean, they do actually have some good, uh, music videos. The uh, the video for once in a lifetime also sure. has extremely weird, funny and great dancing in it yeah. where David Byrne at one point, I think he like sort of dances, with his face down on the ground, but his butt up in the air, and he's doing right. some kind of weird wiggle. No, he, he's he's a fascinating dude. I
0: I I can't begin to dissect what makes David Byrne work, but it definitely works.
1: <laughs> well, you guys should absolutely check out "Born Under Punches" from Live in Rome. You can see a recording of this. I, there's always a recording of it on YouTube. Every time I've checked, so uh, so look that up. It is, it is the God Power. Wow.
0: Man, I, I love this and, and great lists from both of you because, uh, you know, I, I think from a greedy sense, one of the things I want from the lists every time is just recommendations, you know, where it's just like, I want you to tell me your favorite things. So they're mine now, you know, in like that literal way of like, now I get to go listen to this music. Now I get to go watch these music videos. So both of you supplied me with some really cool stuff. So I'm really grateful for that. And, um, yeah, like I, like I mentioned before, uh, everyone here in this record store who has, uh, listened to this conversation, uh, check out not only the most recent episode of stuff to blow your mind, because in it, it's basically the first half of this conversation before I came into work today at the record store, but, um, in general, just all your shows, is, is there anything particular you guys want to say about stuff to blow your mind and, um, I don't know how great it is. It's been around for like a
1: decade now. <laughs> Yeah. Let's talk about how great our show is. (laughs) Uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind is, um, oh, we've really expanded in the past few months. Traditionally, we are a, a, I would say, an interdisciplinary science show. You know, the the core theme of the show is science. We try to bring most topics back to science in one way or another, but we interface science with lots of different subject matter, like uh, literature and mythology and history and stuff like that. Uh, In the past few months, we've added new episodes where we've gone to basically a daily publication schedule. So we do... Listener Mail on Mondays, we do core science and culture episodes like we've always been doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Most Wednesdays, we do a short-form episode that we've been calling The Artifact. That's just about uh, basically anything we want, but it's a more focused, you know, sub-10-minute kind of thing. And then on Fridays, we do something called Weird House Cinema, which is where we... Uh, we look at strange, offbeat, uh, obscure, often trashy, sometimes B movies that that have something in them to to love and to talk about. And then on Saturdays we do a we do a vault episode, which is like a rerun. Rob, did I leave anything
2: out? No. On the the seventh day we rest. Uh, <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, that's the current. The, the current uh, shape of the stuff to blow your mind podcast feed,
0: and it's it's tons of fun, you know. Um, that yeah, <laughs> producing podcasts is my side hustle when I'm not working here in this record store. And um, no, it's tons of fun. Been working with you guys for uh, probably a couple years now. At this point, I, I haven't done the math, but long time, and uh, it's been great. What 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 a great wonderful show! And uh, th- thank you to both of you for uh, coming into our record store today and uh, sharing your picks. And the one last thing we do before we close up the shop is we restock the employee recommendation shelf. Now, since Tara's not here, I'm going to rely on you guys to uh, help out with that. Uh, But here's my pick. Uh, This album came out in 2020. It's called Shades, and it's by Good Sad Happy Bad. (laughs) So this album, um, it's it's kind of a strange lineage, but I'll, I'll spell it out real quick in case anyone recognizes part of it. So Mika Levi, back in the day, used to uh, have a band called Mikachu and the Shapes. At a certain point, she stopped calling herself Mikachu and just started calling herself by her real name, Mika Levi. And so her band Mikachu and the Shapes, I don't know if it's related or not, but they changed the name of that band into Good, Sad, Happy, Bad. And then for some reason, Mika Levi decided she wasn't going to be the lead singer of that band anymore. So, so then that fell to uh, the keyboardist, uh, Raisa Khan. And so anyway, it's, it's kind of a brand new band now, despite the fact that it, they've already been around and this is like their fourth or fifth album. But just by, by little tweaks, by, hey, you're not singing anymore, you're singing. And no, we're not that band name anymore, now we're this band. So it's, it's the exact same band that's been around since like, I don't know, the early 2000s, but now it's also brand new. So it's it's just a fun odd situation that happened. but anyway, ultimately, it's really good. So that's that's the main reason to listen to it. I'll say it again. The album title is Shades. It came out last year, 2020, and it's by Good, Sad, Happy Bad. Uh, Robert, uh, what do you want to throw up on this wall? Anything music related?
2: Oh, well, I would say just like a new release that I'm listening to right now. Uh, I've only listened to it a couple of times, but it's it's still in rotation. It is the new release from DJ Muggs of Cypress Hill and Soul Assassins fame, uh, released under the moniker DJ Muggs, The Black Goat. And it is titled, I believe uh, I'm saying this right, uh, Deus Ossidendum. I have not finished it. And it is essentially uh, a dark instrumental hip hop album with occasional like old horror film uh, samples thrown in. Uh, so I'm I I still I, if all of it's if it's like um, a body of water, I haven't really plunged the depths of it yet. But I've had it on in the background while I've been working, and it's a lot of fun. And it's out on uh, what is it? Sacred Bone. Mm,
0: uh, Sacred uh, Bones label? plural, I believe. But yeah, uh, yeah. Sacred Bones, great yeah. great label. Um, yeah. a question. Uh, because there are references, of course, to the black goat in the title, and you said there are clips. Is there anything from Black Phillip from the Vivich inside the uh, <laughs> inside the uh, album anywhere? Anything about living deliciously?
2: I, <laughs> I don't think so because there, like I say, there are no lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just some some samples here and there, and I think they're all samples from older, maybe more obscure horror films. Like I, 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 I wasn't able stuff, to really, right? yeah, like hammer stuff. You might be able to pinpoint some of it, Seth, since you're you're more versed in the hammer than me, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think he did a good job of picking things that, that didn't instantly stand out as being even like, oh, that's Vincent Price or that's uh, yeah, Peter Cushing or what have you. Fun.
0: Great stuff. Yep. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Uh, how about you, Joe? What do you want to put on the shelf?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I was not prepared for this. I was, so I was trying to think, what have I been listening to that's new in the past couple of years? Uh, oh, it could be uh, old too. Literally anything. It- Oh, okay. Well, I already, I landed on something that was new. This came out in 2020, and this was great. Uh, it was a sort of release of home recordings by Gillian Welch and David Rawlings called All the Good Times Are Past and Gone. Have you guys heard this?
0: Hmm. No, no, no. But I, I do love Gillian Welch, though.
2: We got married in a fever, hotter than a pepper sprout.
1: Uh, yeah, so it's it is a record, It's a bunch of their home recordings Mostly or maybe entirely of covers So there's a really good John Prine cover on there Which uh, it was especially poignant uh, this past year Because John Prine passed away There's also a really good cover of Abandoned Love by Bob Dylan Which I think is, is better than Dylan's version mm-hmm. And uh, a bunch of you know uh, folk and Americana covers of, of that kind it, I thought it was really good nice absolutely love it
0: that'll set up all of our uh, customers to uh, come across some uh, new recommendations find some new music in their life but for now we definitely need to close the store we are up too late uh thanks for coming in today all you customers uh a special thanks to um both rob and joe for uh coming down from uh the uh, stuff to blow your mind podcast we really appreciate it and uh that's it everyone we are officially closed so happy trails until we meet again Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at recordstoresociety.
1: Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows.